Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I think I've bought myself about five minutes of peace with those lolly bags, hey? But there's a method to it. There is a tag on it that actually gives us the theme for today's service. Samuel's life and his purpose through Hannah's positioning and her posture. Purpose, positioning and posture. That's what's on the tag of the lolly bags. So the story of Samuel begins with Hannah and her husband Elkanah. She was loved, but she was barren. He had another wife, Paniah, who had children, so he's all good. Hannah, however, is mentioned first. So we can actually assume that she was the first wife, which is a position of significance in that culture. But because she was barren, that position was actually threatened by Paniah. And she worked it. She worked it hard. Nickel, 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 nickel. And in verse 8, we see Elkanah showing deep emotional intelligence. Not. Why are you downheartened? Don't I mean more to you than ten children, ten sons? No. Frankly, no, mate. Because she couldn't fulfil her purpose. God had closed her womb. So what does she do? Well, she postures herself in submission to God and she prays fervently. So much so that she's actually taken for drunk by Eli, another man showing incredible depth of intelligence. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and will not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. The razor here is actually really significant. She's actually prophesying his purpose. He will be a priest, a prophet set apart. Hannah is putting aside her position and humbling herself before God for the purpose of her not yet conceived child and his purpose. So is that how we approach parenting? Do we put aside how others see us for the purpose of our child that has been ordained by God? Taking our kids to church each week, we might actually be seen as quite fanatical, as sacrificing family time or experiences that make for good Instagram posts. But whose opinion do we bow to? Where is our parenting advice coming from? From social media or from the one who created you? I actually want to honour some of the parents in our church. I'm thinking very much of it. There's a 
single mum, or a mum who comes on her own. She's married. She has five kids. And for 14 years, she's faithfully brought those kids to church and not once heard a sermon from way to go because she was bringing her kids. And this year, the youngest started to come out to Hill's kids and her row became empty and she got to listen to a sermon. Now that's biblical parenting. She faithfully brought those children. It is parenting with purpose and from a biblical position and posture. And do we as a church congregation put aside our comfort and our preferences for the children, the future, God's purpose in the hills? It might be a tad noisier today. And there might be a couple of songs you didn't enjoy as much or know. There might be the odd distraction of a four-year-old walking up and down the rows. I didn't prime Jeremiah, by the way. (laughs) But where is our heart in this moment? Do we pray fervently for the future of God's kingdom? Or do we get bothered by the change to our comfort zone? You know what? Getting bothered by it is not hills. It's not this church. Not now, not ever. Parents, kids, you are welcome. You are wanted. You are the reason we meet. What is our posture, our position and our purpose in this moment? When Hannah explains to Eli that she's not drunk but praying, the light dawns and he offers her a blessing and she goes her way and she eats something and her face is no longer downcast. What a practical woman. She prays, she eats and she feels better. Amen. So in verse 19 and 20, we get the answer to Hannah's prayer. Early the next morning, they get up and they worship before the Lord. And then they go home to Rama. Just tuck that name away. And in the course of time, Hannah becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son. And she names him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. It was a posture of worship. And it was a positioning at Rama. Rama means high place. It was their home. But you know what, really interestingly, it is near Rachel's tomb. And it's also the area that our female judge of earlier in the Bible, Deborah, judged. It was part of her circuit. She judged between Bethel and Rama. A lot of strong women featured near Rama, hey? But God was moving. Her purpose, a purpose was fulfilled in the birth of a son. A son who would be a priest because no razor would touch his head. But more than that, he would be a high priest. We see this in chapter 2, verse 18. Because he is described as a boy wearing a linen ephod. But we're jumping ahead. So Elkanah continues 
after this event to go up to the temple every year at Shiloh. But the year that Samuel was born, Hannah stays home because of her promise to God. The next time she would go to the temple would be to fulfil her promise and to give him to the Lord for the rest of his life, all the days of his life. So there was just one thing that only she could do before he could be given to Eli at the temple and that was to breastfeed him. Eli couldn't look after him until he was weaned. And so Hannah waits until he's weaned and then she goes up to the temple and gives him to the Lord. I don't think I could have done that. I remember the day that my my daughter Katie, who's 25 now, um, but I have a reasonable memory. Um, I remember the day she weaned and I howled and I cried. She was done and she actually, at 14 months old, pushed me away. Done, no more. But she still needed me. And surely at this point, Samuel still needs Hannah. Ah, oh, today we'd have all the excuses, wouldn't we? I'll wait till he can follow instructions because, you know, then he'll be ready to learn, right? Yep. I'll wait till he can sit still because then he won't bother people. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll wait till he can read, be, you know, because then he'll be able to follow the preaching, right? Do we use those excuses for not bringing our children to worship? And, you know, sometimes we also want to make sure that other people aren't inconvenienced. You know, what about the old people? Grey hair. Or the people without kids, you know, they're not used to it. Well, I'll tell you what. Join with me here, grey-haired saints. (laughs) Young adults, empty nesters. Do you look forward to seeing the little ones? Yes. Have you actually come to this church because a church without children is too quiet and dead? Yes. Did your face light up when the kids got up to sing? Do you love every one of these children? Let me hear you. Yes. Yes and amen. Yes. Bring them. Don't stop coming. We will not be your excuse. We will, however, be your support. We will be your encouragers, your carers, your baby holders so you can drink hot coffee, your toddler entertainers so you have a chance to listen. Yes, yes. Our posture is one of welcome, encouragement, blessing. Our positioning is to be the foundation of their faith formation. Our purpose is to ensure that Jesus is glorified, that lives are transformed, that hope is revealed. And we cannot do that if we do not welcome these children. Yes. So in verse 24, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, apparently just one, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. 
I love this bit. Hannah says, pardon me, my Lord, but as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he shall be given over to the Lord. And Samuel worshipped the Lord there. It was a posture of worship, a position of sacrifice, of humility, of gratitude. And the purpose, he would be given over to the Lord. At this point, Samuel is somewhere between two and five years old, likely because of the age of the bull, he's three. If you look around, our babies that were born during COVID are turning three this year. They are starting ELC. They are just beginning to spend time away from mum. They are learning from others. Uh, They're doing the joy of toilet training and they're forming sentences. Lots of changes. But they are also praying. They are reading along with Bible stories. They are singing worship songs. There is no junior Holy Spirit. He is alive and well in these kids. As many of you will know, um, you've been doing a lot of praying for my health this year. It's 12 months today since I found the lump in my breast. It turned out to be breast cancer. And um, so... I have benefited from an awful lot of prayers this year and that has made all the difference. But there's one that I wanna honour and it's from little Hannah Stark, who's three. And it's so powerful, I'm gonna get through this. And she said, Dear God, heal Marion, thank you, amen. Hannah, he did. Amen. So in chapter two, verse 11, well, Akana goes home to Ramah, but the boy stays and he ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. One of the side effects of chemo is I have no nasal hairs, so I get a drippy nose. Sorry, guys. It's in verse 18. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. And each year his mother made him a little robe and took it up to him when she and her husband went up to offer the annual sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and then they would go home. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. A boy wearing a linen ephod. This is actually a really startling phrase because the ephod was strapped to the chest of only the high priest. And this boy wasn't of the priestly line. He wasn't a Levite. He was a Benjaminite. Wrong tribe. And he was a boy. He was a boy. 
The priest wore the ephod to signify wisdom. The stones set in it were to help give him an ear for God. And here was this boy wearing a linen ephod. What? (laughs) Why, Lord? And Hannah, can you imagine each year her making this little robe to take up to Samuel? The time, love, sacrifice that went into that project year after year. One of the joys of preaching is that you go down rabbit holes on the internet doing some research. And I looked up um, how they made linen in those times. And there's this wonderful uh, YouTube clip that shows the six steps that are required for it. I didn't put it up, but you can go look it up. It's actually, it's a very salty old farmer doing it. It's, um, it's awesome. But it takes over nine months just to grow the flax. And then you have to spin the fibre into thread and weave the fabric out of the thread. And then the robe would have been hand-stitched. There are hours and hours of work. There are splinters, split skin and nails. It was a sacrifice to make a linen garment. Mostly, it would have been woolen garments because you started by shearing the sheep. You've already got the thread. It's much easier to spin and your hands get coated in lanolin and are softened not dried and splintered like happens with linen. And notice too that Samuel never had a hand-me-down. It was a new robe every year, a priestly garment made just for him. And we know that God blessed Hannah with more children. So in the midst of this, she's raising a family, but she still continued the time-consuming task of making a robe every year. She had a posture of honouring God through the garment that she made for her son, a priestly robe. And she took the position of a servant, of a weaver, of a seamstress, in order that the purpose, God's purpose for her son would be fulfilled, that he would judge Israel all the days of his life. He would anoint their kings And he would continually point them to God. This little boy wearing a linen ephod. For Hannah, the robe was a sacrifice, a work of dedication that symbolised the position of her son. Hannah didn't seek position for herself and she didn't seek it for her son. She had dedicated him to God and she was honouring her promise. Samuel grew up to be God's prophet. He was chosen by God and he judged Israel all the days of his life. But you know, not every child will be a prophet. It'd be a cluttered sort of role, wouldn't it? Just like not every child will be a doctor or a lawyer or the new one, the influencer. Not sure what they do, but every eight-year-old I ask is what they want to be. But... Their purpose is God's. And as parents, we dedicate them to God, don't we? We stand up here. Last time I was on this stage was 
a baby dedication for young Harrison. I wasn't standing, but I was up here. Um, And we dedicate them and we sacrificially come to worship. We bring them to worship. We teach them about God and we bring them into community, to family, to family. Samuel was an archetype of Jesus and there are reflections of Hannah in Mary as well. For both these women, their reputations took an absolute hit in order to be part of God's plan. Hannah was thought to be drunk and a wicked woman. Nine o'clock in the morning, what are you doing? And Mary was pregnant out of wedlock. For both women, they sacrificed much so that their sons could fulfil God's purpose. But the greatest sacrifice was God's, wasn't it? In John 3.16, we read, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Hannah gave her one son to the Lord and He blessed her with more. But God's purpose for his one son was to redeem the world. God's position as creator of the whole world meant that he didn't and he doesn't need us. And we cannot add anything or do anything to earn our salvation. But God wants us in relationship with him. So much so that we see in Jesus a posture of complete humility as he gives his life for us. So just sit with that a moment, the enormity of God's actions. Is your heart's desire for your children, for all our children, to know the love of God through Jesus? That's mine. What is our posture as we raise children in the Lord? It's not what the Lord, the world would have us do. It's not selfish or prideful when in humility we bring these children. And position, what position are we holding on to that we need to let go of? Our children are not there to make us proud or to see us rewarded or to have us made famous. You need to let go of what you get for raising them. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about them knowing God and about them loving Jesus and knowing whose they are, knowing who created them and where their identity is. It is in Christ. It is about them knowing that God made them for a purpose. And God does not make junk. So what is the purpose? It is to see Jesus glorified, hope revealed and lives transformed. I'm reading a book this week and the writer gave this benediction. Make room for God because he knows your name. Band, you can come up. Make room for God because He knows your name. 
Make room for God. Make space in your day for God. In your life. Make room for His presence. Be in a posture of space making, of Bible reading, of worship, of prayer. Position yourself in His presence. And why? Because He knows your name. He knows your child's name. He knows every one of us by name. Come worship the Lord and bring your children, bring your grandchildren, your friends, your neighbours, bring them all. Samuel was a priest all the days of his life. But it ended with his death. But we have a great high priest in Jesus who always lives to intercede for us. God gave His only Son for us and we only have to believe to be saved. But how will we believe if we don't know Him? And how can we know Him if we don't come? Our posture is of welcome, encouragement, of blessing. Our position is to be the foundation of faith formation. And our purpose is to ensure that Jesus is glorified, that lives are transformed and that hope is revealed. So come, let us sing the blessing. And if you want prayer to help you, if your posture needs to be adjusted, if it needs to be of prayer, of worship, then come. There will be elders around the room to pray with you. There will be children, let them pray with you. Pray with their parents. Let's pray together as we sing the blessing. Let us worship our God. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the Gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.